Chapter 12, Shooting, Day 7. Well, we're really more sort of idea people, you know? When we woke the next morning, it wasn't Kyle or I who had the problem. It was the exhausted, in no mood at all, John Hunt. I told him it would be a leisurely start, but to come over at 10 a.m. We didn't dart out of the door because J.R. was showering, but after about a half-hour-long shower, it turned out he fell asleep in there, John Hunt got mad and moped on our front steps, before eventually moping in his car. Kyle and I bonded by watching some Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, a hilarious British mockumentary about the making of a cheesy supernatural hospital drama. I had hooked John Ryan a couple of nights prior. He recognized British actor Matt Berry as the British John Ryan, which cracked us up. John Hunt was inconsolable and not to be spoken to. In a weird sort of way, it was useful in repairing things with Kyle, because we both were able to agree that John was out of sorts. But the matter at hand was that we had a full day of walking around a city, and it was clear that John was not physically, mentally, or emotionally up to it. I couldn't tell if he was mad at me, or all of us, or just tired from the week, or what. John's a sound expert, and he built a rig that really could be operated by anyone, so I was trying to think of a way to send him home. When we got to New Bedford, I confronted the elephant in the car. So, I'm thinking if you want to get some rest, Nina can operate sound, and then if you want to come to Boston with us later, you can. And if you don't, you don't. If that's what you want, a ridiculous and unhelpful response, I did want, so John stayed in the car. It was a beautiful fall day, the kind I look forward to all year. Dry, windy leaves and sweatshirt weather. We needed to shoot Mark applying for jobs, so we shot in this really cool vintage store called Artificial Marketplace, which would be Mark's dream job. Kyle bought some great 1970s magazines on the way out. We also shot some beautiful long-lens deep shots of Mark walking around the historic district, looking to apply for jobs in bars that aren't open in the day. New Bedford naturally has a great whaling museum, and from the observatory, you can see the coastal beauty, history, and poverty of New Bedford in one gaze. I always thought that I might want to open the movie on a shot like that, so I asked the front desk people if Kyle and I could just be escorted up there to take a few pictures and then leave, without having to pay admission to the museum. The clerk had a quick aside with a day manager, who told her to charge us. Can't catch a break. The shot cost almost $40. While shooting, JR had to repeatedly stop us and find Wi-Fi to use my laptop. Apparently, he was running into a human resources problem at his job, in which he had to use their corporate web system to report vacation time, and it was buggy and not working. It caused him the most stress I saw during his stay, as it had employment implications. We were, of course, patient and helpful, as he had been to us since day one. Lunch was at No Problemo, a pretty awesome Mexican restaurant within walking distance. John Hunt left us abruptly to go across the street to a Walgreens. We thought for sure it was to pick up headache medication or something of the like, but it was a big bag of Reese's Pieces and Reese's Mini Cups. At No Problemo, he was starting to perk up, mentioning that he's convinced his mood was due to a lack of structured meals, and he partially blamed me for scheduling the shoot so consecutively, that we needed more breaks. Nina noted that she packed nuts, granola bars, and other health foods, and I noted that the candies he picked up will only make it worse, but he wasn't having it. While sitting at No Problemo, I tried to prepare for the next day's shoot. It was to be the inevitable radio redux. I texted with Amy, who assured me she would be there. I emailed more extras, asking them to be there to fill out the bar, but that was looking pretty barren. And CE, who was originally recruited to light the dark radio, said he could not commit to the shoot. Kyle asked me to get some of the lighting equipment anyway, and he would do his best. I also asked Bonica to assist, but didn't coordinate that well with Kyle. Now that I needed to get lighting equipment again, I called in the order and asked Hana to sign for it. She ran into some customer service issues and red tape when signing on my behalf, and I had to make some phone calls to solve it. It was the first time she seemed inconvenienced and irritated by the nonsense I was adding to her normal day job. But the order was made, 
I was to pick the equipment up in the morning before going to Somerville and then to drop it off at the end of the day. It was shaping up to be an exact replica of Tuesday. Soon after, we zoomed back up to Boston as my 2003 Ford Taurus started to make grumpy noises. It was getting tired of carting a car full of people 140 miles round trip every day. Though I secretly panicked about scenarios where we broke down and missed shoots entirely, the car never died throughout the entire show. That night's shoot was the most fun. Old MFA friends EJ Massa and Will Rogan, as well as Vibes actress Rhiannon Angel, who traveled from New York to join us, would act as the idea people, a trio of social media fetishists who think they shouldn't have to write or play songs to be musicians. We shot the scene at Jam Spot, a pay-by-the-hour rehearsal space. The location was fairly easy to get to and perfectly cooperative. It didn't take long before the scene clicked into place, as EJ, Rhiannon, and Will quickly found their flavors of hipster. Those who weren't actively involved in shooting got to watch the scene acted out like a stage play, as we ran through the entire three-minute scene for each piece of coverage. The crew had to work to suppress their laughter, even on subsequent takes, especially as the trio played experimental music together. We only knew we wanted them to play underthought nonsense, but Will invented this guttural but understated cry while EJ stroked the guitar app on his iPad. Jeff and a few others feared that the comedy would be so outside the style of the rest of the film that it wouldn't work, but editing proved that it brought some much-needed humor to the proceedings. We somehow crowded John Hunt, JR, Nina, EJ, Will, and myself into my car. After we dropped off EJ and Will, John Hunt suggested we go to the Burger King rest stop for dinner. He was especially keen on trying Satis Fries, some low-calorie concoction from BK. Satis Fries and being satisfied became a running joke for the remaining days, but we did go to BK, where John Hunt and I debated about his impressions of what makes a meal and what makes a snack. I, for instance, wasn't convinced that eating Burger King at 11pm was a structured dinner. I argued that it might as well be a snack. JR, surprisingly, threw in with John Hunt, and we rehashed the same argument on the podcast when we got home. We have a massage table at my house, upon which Nina is kind enough to rub my back and shoulders. JR got a crack at some of that Nina massage action, as his back was acting up. They stayed up way too late watching Jurassic Park on Blu-ray, as JR displayed an encyclopedic knowledge of the Spielberg classic.